In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. And a wind from God blew over the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. God separated the light from the darkness. And he called the light day. And the darkness he called night. One of my teaching mentors, Eric Booth, says, start small sometimes. And today, I want to start small with these first four verses of Genesis, the account of the first day. And this account we're reading today, not at the Feast of the Trinity, when it's assigned on a Sunday, where people, of course, read the Trinity back into Genesis 1, or on the Easter Vigil when Easter, we anticipate Easter as a renewal of creation, or at baptism when we see the waters of baptism in the waters of creation. But we simply read it on an ordinary day in ordinary time. Another mentor, Curtis Almquist from the Society of St. John the Evangelist, says that the spiritual life starts with being grateful for the smallest thing at the beginning of the day. Whether you can take a breath, whether you can get up out of your chair. And this, the smallest thing, evokes gratitude. So today this smallest thing is the first day of creation. And each day when we do this, we recapitulate this first day of creation. Let's look for a minute at the text, mentally look at it. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and earth, that's like the topic sentence, or it's like the title, it tells you what's going to happen. Too bad it can't just start with the darkness, but it has to tell you what's going to happen. And then you have this amazing picture of the deep and the darkness. And you don't have any sound except unless you think that that wind of God is blowing and making a loud and mysterious sound. You have God say, let there be light. Now, the commentary I read this morning said this is a decree. But I'm wondering if maybe it's a little bit more gentle than a decree. Perhaps it's an invocation. It's very deliberate. It's very calm. Let there be light. Nobody's getting conquered. Nobody's getting addressed. Let there be light. The wonderful thing about this text is that it describes the way human beings experience day and night. Because even though in elementary school we had the flashlight and the tennis ball and we turned the tennis ball and we 
put it around the flashlight, and we tried to experience this day and night as rotation. And some of us maybe think that. We experience day and night as alternation. Day and night and day and night, just the way this text tells it. In the summer, I spend as much time as I can on an island that runs from north to south, long ways, and the short way is east to west. And I always see the sunset, because it's always cocktail hour, and (laughs) the house faces west. So I see the sunset every night. But often I make the commitment to get myself up at quarter of five or 5.15 in the morning and pull on my boots and run over that short distance to the east side of the island to watch the sun rise. And I do that as often as I can because that alternation of sunrise and sunset, morning and evening, connects me with that basic rhythm of creation. And even in Hyde Park, or North University, you can see the sunrise and the sunset. The sunrise and the sunset, the day and night, gives the architecture to the whole Bible. I don't know if you noticed when Michael was reading it, it's like he was on the first page of the Bible. And this day and night gives architecture to the whole Bible. Think about the Gospel of Mark taking place in the geography of the sea and the land, but also focusing on the day and the night. The seed grows by day and night. Even when you don't see it, that seed is growing. The coming of the Son of Man, when the stars fall from heaven and the moon no longer gives its light, a reversal of this first day of creation. Peter, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. That cock crowing is the sign that day is about to dawn. And then that morning at the empty tomb when the sun had risen. Goodness. Even if, well, God says, God saw that the light was good. Doesn't say, God said the light should be good, or the light will be good, or be good. (laughs) God saw that the light was good. And even if you could force every textbook in Texas to say that God created the world. You could not legislate that that world would be considered good. That goodness of the world is affirmed in our scripture and it's affirmed in our faith and there's no way that any explanation can make that true except by faith. That's how we live that this light was good, is good, 
that this earth is good. And that is what we're grateful for. That is what we give thanks for when we wake up in the morning on every ordinary day, in every ordinary time, we recapitulate that gratitude. There was evening, there was morning, the first day. Who knows what this day will bring for all of us, for the prospective students who come with the whole day open to you, for all of us in our work. I went to morning prayer. We didn't say this prayer this morning, but you know that one who divideth the day from the night, having done thy will with cheerfulness while it was day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give thee thanks. We're still giving thanks even at nighttime. So on the first day of creation, on this ordinary day, let us give thanks for the alternation of day and night and for the goodness, the goodness of the light. Amen.